and welcome once again to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald, and joining me, of course, is my co-host, Matt Dudek. Hey there, everybody. Matt, of course, you can find on Twitter at Horizon Matt, and you can follow us on Twitter at Horizon RT. You can visit us on the website at HorizonRoundtable.com, and you can find us and subscribe to us wherever you find podcasts. And Matt, um, as we have been doing this entire off season, which seems to be going on and on and on and on and forever, this might be the longest off season ever, and it. We don't it doesn't even know yet. seem like it because we keep, you know, usually off seasons would necessitate us to take a break. We haven't taken a break and I don't think we're going to. So like, we little breaks for like holidays and stuff. But but this week we, we actually have uh, a, yet another interview. Um, Eli Vetker, um, thank you for joining us. Eli is the founder, uh, longtime he, he, you've probably seen his name floating around in various publications, and now he has founded a new site called Heat Check. So, e- Eli, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I'm glad we could make this work. All right. So, um, I guess the first thing we want to uh, I want to talk about is you know tell us about the tell about tell us about Heat Check. This is kind of a new site, um, and I know some of the we've seen some of the familiar faces from you know within you know the 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 internet kind of joining you into this venture. So tell us a little bit about what that's all about. Yeah, so I spent I guess it was August to February in Charlotte at Sporting News on an internship and uh, really enjoyed my time there. Definitely picked up a lot of things that I didn't know about, I guess, all of the ins and outs of journalism and, and what it looks like to uh, publish on a digital media space. And it's been probably my dream for years and years now that I wanted to eventually go out and do my own thing. Uh, once I got to the point where I felt confident and not only my writing, but also, you know, all the other ins and outs that I'm sure you guys are familiar with when it comes to social media and it comes to publishing and all, and all those types of things. So once my internship wrapped up, and this was just shortly before COVID hit, uh, I decided to go out and uh, I guess in a way restart a college basketball website called heatcheckcbb.com, which I did initially began I think it was fall of 2017 I had it going for a few months as just a, another outlet for me to publish stories that weren't Mountain West related because I was covering the Mountain West pretty heavily at the time um, but I really wanted to dive deep into this new venture and uh, felt that it was the right time with everything going on to try to build something and try to make the most of my time here and uh, fortunately after a handful of weeks I, I've been in discussions with several guys that I'm sure you're familiar with, um, Blake Lavelle, Connor Hope, Lucas Harkins, and, and Brian Roth. And they all do a phenomenal job, and I'm, I'm really stoked to have them on board. Uh, just absolute machines and great guys to work with, and uh, I think that we'll be able to accomplish lots of cool things together. So I'm really looking forward to what the future looks like once uh, COVID passes. Yeah, that's a, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, it's it's interesting you mentioned the you know obviously since everything kind of shut down and in, in march it's funny that we you're starting this venture right in the middle of all of that and mm-hmm. but it, it seems like there's there's a lot of it, it, it's kind of deceptive because you know you would think that 
and we th- we might have thought this too very wrongly i might add <laughs> that there you know when the when the, when the off season starts there's not a lot of there's not a lot of going on but you know we, obviously we we've we've discovered otherwise <laughs> clearly and it seems like you've done the same as well yeah yeah that's that's kind of the thing too my perspective can change quite a bit on that i think once you understand that i mean it is the off season which can I mean, we, we mentioned this before we hopped on but it, it can be quiet at times and other times you'll have more news tidbits but i think overall it is an opportunity to maybe you know get a leg up or get a step ahead of everyone else when you know other people might not have college of basketball on their brains in you know the middle of july or or and during any time between now and october so that's kind of been my approach and this is I mean, this is the primary sport and pretty much the only sport that I do cover to any degree. So it's what I'm going to be doing 365 days a year as is. And if it means that other people are taking a break or, or just don't really have it on their mind, that's totally fine. All the credit to them. Uh, but I will continue to be doing this, whether it's July or if it's uh, the first day of March. So um, it's it's fun and it's it's a different challenge, obviously, because of what is going on right now. But it's definitely forced my creative side and trying to think outside the box a little bit of what people would be interested in reading uh, when it is this kind of unprecedented time when college basketball really isn't on the top of the minds of a lot of people. Um, one thing that I, you did drop during this thing is actually it, it would draw drew a lot of attention, especially from our fans, as it turns out, is what uh, what was what's dubbed the the heat check sim so tell us a little bit about that 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 kind of that that whole scenario and kind of how that play how that played out in yes terms of, uh-huh. and also you know and and also tell everybody the good news as to how the horizon league did in these sims because because you because know, <laughs> i, I know one of our followers be good news <laughs> yeah so uh this project i guess it it dates back a really long time uh, when we talk about the initial steps of it. So I originally got into sports, I want to say it was probably 15 years now. I'm definitely one of the youngins on here in the college basketball media space. But um, what I would do is I would go to you know, a convenience store like Walgreens or CBS or, or one of those, and I would pick up these spiral notebooks, and I would just – absolutely geek out and would just write down all sorts of you know fictitious stats and players and teams and rankings and just all and all and all and just and just kept doing this and i probably have a stack of i don't know 20 30 notebooks at my, at my parents house of of all of this but that's really where my interest in the nitty-gritty of a lot of sports leagues but primarily college basketball came from uh, learning all the different conferences learning how a season operates and everything like that and so I guess fast forward to uh, this past winter while I was out in Charlotte during my uh, internship, I spent some of my time away from work, just taking a step back and finding some different things to occupy my time. And one of the things was to, I guess, create this fictitious sim basketball league. And so I guess in the simplest way possible to explain it is these are all made up players with generated names. I've, I've gathered the names from, uh, from either previous NBA or college players or, or just a variety of different sources. And 
and all of these names are generated. Uh, each of the players have offensive and defensive ratings. They have different things like loyalty. Uh, there are prestige ratings for each of the programs. So it's kind of taken a life of its own and has a, a variety of details within it. So uh, it isn't, you know, it, it does have some uh, detail and depth to it, which I think brings the sim to life quite a bit more. Uh, and then as soon as the as COVID hit, I kind of had to think outside the box because I did have so much prep towards the NCAA tournament. And, you know, being a new site, I wanted to bring new viewers to the site and gain some traction with that. And so I essentially figured out a way to have this simulation game and have each of the teams run by actual human users. And once I opened that up, I was, I was really impressed by the number of people who had feedback and were interested in joining. And uh, that's where we're at right now. Yeah, I, I noticed that there was kind of, yeah, by the time I had find, found out about it, I know that there was like a flood of people who had already basically snapped up a bunch of teams. So um, quite a bit of interest on that. Um, I was a little sad. I, you know, by the time I saw it, I'm like, there are no Horizon League teams available. And yeah, I'm, I, there were, I think the only teams left are ones that I would have had no shot in hell of actually, you know, doing any, doing very well with. So I just, decided it would be a good idea to kind of skip that. <laughs> oh, but you would have I mean, done that, Horizon Team? I'm sorry, what's that? I said, oh, but you would have done better with Horizon Team? <laughs> I mean, at least I mean, at least I would have known what was going on. That's true. <laughs> and that's been that's been kind of the fun thing about this though is that you have people a lot of most of the people who I haven't met before uh, who are just you know, absolutely two feet in on a team like Abilene Christian or Prairie View A&M. And, and like, I would definitely consider myself someone who aligns more with the mid-major leagues as opposed to the power conference ones. But I mean, I could never even really get to the point where I am just completely, uh, just completely embed myself in a program like that. But that's, that's kind of the fun of it. And it's not, it doesn't operate in a way like you would fire up uh, an old college basketball or college football video game because you are competing against 351 other people. So, uh, and I, and I said that from the start, there are going to be a few of you who might not win a single game who, you know, might finish in last place. And that's just kind of the nature of it. But um, I'm, I've been impressed by the interest. And even though obviously not everyone winds up going to the NCAA tournament and things like that uh, to still, have the kind of interest with some of the weaker and lower teams. I, I think that's really cool. Um, one thing I wanted to ask where, and I, I thought I saw this and I want you to confirm this now with each of these simulated teams, didn't did each of these simulated teams have their own like Twitter account? I thought I saw that. <laughs> so, yeah. So this is one of the, Things that I was not did you like create pots for each one of these places? <laughs> I, I did not. I, so I had nothing to do with this. Uh, what happened was this whole thing got filled up. I think it was forty hours after I released the the sign up form. Each of the three hundred fifty two teams were filled up. I was honestly anticipating it would be me and about ten or fifteen other people. Um, I, I had my mom as one of the teams at one point because she wanted to join, and and then she decided to to back out and let someone else have a team but what happened with this is i think the day after the signups came i had a follow from some twitter handle that said i don't know what it was like maybe heat check sim chattanooga i was uh, like okay this is interesting and 
throughout the rest of the day, just more of these user accounts filled in. He he checks in Villanova, he checks in Wisconsin, and it got to the point now where there is a heat check sim John Rothstein, a heat check sim Dick Vital, Bill Walton, uh, Ken Pomeroy. So I don't I don't even know who it is that went out and created these accounts. I think a lot of them are created by the coaches who the are, are the one is just you know <laughs> them repeating this is March over and over again. Oh I... oh absolutely yeah and the uh, what's the other one that he does um like it, the, it oh, spreads. Oh the epitome of brutality. Yeah he, or, that one as well. Yeah I mean whoever's doing it have just has it absolutely nailed down with the same hashtags and uh, you know tweeting it the same way Dick Vital does with the backslashes and everything. I, so I don't know who's running the national accounts but it's hilarious and they do a fantastic job. And I just hope that they're not uh, uh, they're not angering the the actual people behind those accounts. But it's been fun and to see the coaches interact with each other and almost create their own community of, of things that happen within the league. I think that's really fun to see. I would think all of those guys who got those their own sim created would be good sports about it, but you never know. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah that's the thing too is i don't that, know if you notice there's there's some sour uh-huh. pusses out there <laughs> that, that's the thing too which i i probably didn't know exactly what i was jumping into when i was starting this but i will say that the community as a whole has been has been good nature has been understanding of of everything that goes on with the league and it's not going to run super smoothly there's one person in me and 351 of them and so it's a it's a lot that I have to do, but I mean there hasn't been any disputes to my knowledge or any people getting up in arms, and it's it's been fun and it's been really cool to see that uh, these people are enjoying it just for what it is. And I know a lot of us don't have anything else going on right now, so if I can entertain a few people or pull them away from uh, anything that must be going on in their lives right now, then then my uh, goal is accomplished right there. So I, I shouldn't. Uh, I'm done beating around the bush. How did the Horizon League teams do in this sim? The, they did pretty well. So uh, Eric Haslam, who I'm, I'm sure you guys are familiar with, he was the coach of Green Bay. He was actually ranked the first few weeks to start the season. Uh, he wound it up in the NIT. I think Youngstown State was on the bubble for most of the year. They wound up in the NIT. Uh, I can't I can't remember who it was who made the made the tournament in the end. It was a pretty solid league though. I think there were four top 100 teams out of the league. Um, I believe uh, Northern Kentucky also had a good year. Wright State had a good year. So I mean, it isn't uh, when I was running all the tests and just to make it all work. I don't really recall the Horizon being one of those leagues that had all of these top tier teams, but. They wound up doing pretty well, winning some NIT games, and uh, yeah, so I was I was surprised to see that, but it was cool to see, and uh, maybe they'll follow it up with the next season doing the same thing. Huh. Um, you, to your knowledge, you don't know if Eric applied for the Green Bay coaching job, do you? Because I don't know that I know that was a little up in the air for a little for a couple weeks. I can't I can't say <laughs> off the top of my head if I know that. <laughs> I'm assuming he didn't. <laughs> But um, so that's so. Uh, so I want to say that's wishful thinking, but I also know that you know obviously <laughs> that. But I also know that there are also you know uh, we've seen some signs of life within the conference over the course of the last year. Of course, we've also seen some 
basically flat lines too. So I mean, there is that as well. Um, as far as, and I think I want to actually, I want to actually want to get into some of the stuff you've already, you know, you've already talked about, you've already put up with regards to the horizon league, um, kind of the recap last year, I know you yourself actually had a couple of surprise teams within the horizon league last year that you saw that you kind of recapped. Um, if you could elaborate on kind of the, kind of what, you know, what you saw that kind of stuck out from last season to you, um, that'd be great. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I wrote an article, I think it was in about, March, maybe it was the start of April, about Cleveland State, who I, which I think is a really fascinating program with everything that's going on there. Uh, by the way, notice yeah. I've been, I was feigning my surprise the whole time that I was asking that <laughs> question. I knew where this is going. <laughs> yeah, I, I figured this is where you wanted to go with it. Um, but I, Cleveland State is, is an interesting team to me, and this is one that I think pretty much is a program that was turned basically into a meme a few years ago with all of the players who were transferring, leaving the program, just the roster being completely decimated. And I think actually, with what uh, Matt, if I'm not mistaken, we actually do have a meme of them. Don't we Matt with, <laughs> with Dennis Felton in the super with Dennis Felton's head, superimposed on Scrooge McDuck swimming in the, <laughs> That, that is the thing that we have. That is the thing that we have. Oh, man. So it is real. So it is it real. It is real. <laughs> He's my That's super villain. He, he, he won the heist. That's right. He won the, he won the heist. He's still working on the heist. The lawsuit is still going on. He's still working on the heist. Although I should point out that, although I should point out that I think, uh, uh, there's a couple of things that uh, a couple of parts of that lawsuit that are going to probably show that he doesn't deserve a dime. But go on, go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you do have the super villain there at uh, Cleveland State. This thing went south in a hurry and had that off season where it was seven players who transferred out of the program, pretty much losing all of your substantial contributors. And yeah, I lost um, count. That was yeah. crazy. It, it was, yeah, it was, it was bizarre. And even players decommitting who you expected to hop into the program. And I mean, all the jokes on Twitter about like, maybe I should pack up to Cleveland state and, and go and uh, put some buckets in. But I think the turnaround here is what's been really impressive. And it doesn't necessarily show up in, in a huge win on paper, obviously an 11 win season doesn't really do a ton to raise any eyebrows, but I mean, Dennis Gates being named Coach of the Year after where this program was at and as recent as a year ago, I think is extremely impressive. And even beyond that, the the number of guys who are set to return for this upcoming season, I think absolutely puts Cleveland State in a position where they could go from being one of the worst teams in the league in 2019 to being improved, but but still one of the bottom tier teams. And, and now for the 2020-2021 season, could absolutely be in contention of finishing maybe top three, top four in the league. So I think a lot of that is credit to Dennis Gates and what he's done. Uh, but it also comes down to something that I mentioned quite a bit covering a mid-major league in the Mountain West is you need to have players buy in. And if you're going to have your contributors transfer out every year, it's just impossible to get any momentum going. And I think we're starting to see that with the Cleveland State program. Yeah, no. When we had uh, when we had Dennis Gates on, the one thing that we did point out is that is the fact that 
you had you 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 obviously there was one potential uh, grad transfer this year in Cleveland State, as I'm sure you know, is for years was the poster child of grad transfers, and by the way, is now joined by the other poster child of grad transfers, Robert Morris. <laughs> um, we'll get into them in a minute, but um, one of the things that he pointed out, uh, one of the things that he has already done for this year is obviously Al Eichelberger had the opportunity to grad transfer like so many Cleveland State players before him, and and it, from from the conversation I had with him, it wasn't even really a it wasn't even really it was kind of a no brainer. Basically, he was he was good where we he was good where he was at in Cleveland in Cleveland. He, you know, it, I'm sure he had a little bit of to- he had a little bit of thought, but at the end of the day, it was it was he was he'd already bought into Cleveland State, and you know, and I guess to your point, I guess it probably speaks volumes to what Dennis Gates has going on in, in that program. Yeah, I think that's the first step to really building towards competing for regular season titles every year is how many non-seniors are, go- are you going to bring back on an annual basis? And if every offseason, if every April or March you are losing your top score to a Power 6 program or they decide to maybe up and leave or play overseas, that's what really sets some of these teams back. And I think that is ultimately the main cause why you do have a lot of these mid-major programs or just non-power conference programs that are unable to get over that hump and consistently compete for 20-win seasons or NIT or other postseason berths. And and that example that you have right there with Eichelberger, I think that is one that speaks volumes when you do have a player who you absolutely know could start for several high major programs around the country when a player of his caliber decides that he's content where he's at, uh, he's bought into that program and the guys that are around him. I think that is when you really start to build. And that's when you go from a program that might be purely dependent on just the talent that's on campus to then being a program that can, you know, consistently win 20 games every year. So I think that's a, a really good building block for them. And that's just one instance which, in my opinion, is a case where you see a program start to have some momentum and build towards those ultimate goals. So, talking about the rest of the league, when you look at the Horizon League as a whole, um, I'm sure you had some conclusions. You had some kind of not too way too early ideas of how the Horizon League was going to shake out probably in May, March or April. And then all of a sudden Robert Morris shows up. Yeah. That's yeah. This is a, this is a move that wasn't really on my radar. Of, of course you guys would know better than I do with, you know, where the horizon stands with different things like realignment. Um, I will say it is one of the leagues that has been busy in that regard of, of program shifting in and out over the years. Uh, there has been some talent coming in and also some talent going out, but I think with Robert Morris, the the first thing that stood out to me, and and we discussed this before we hopped on, is the geographical situation here. And, you know, with Horizon League, the first thing that comes to mind definitely isn't the Pennsylvania metro area. It just isn't, whether it's a fit or not. Um, But, you know, once you actually understand the proximity to other leagues in the conference, I, I think it does make quite a bit of sense. And there are, there, there's a lot of movement now with some of these leagues that 
are spreading their wings a little bit and, and going to different pockets of the United States. Uh, I, I do think that leagues like for the WAC, for example, which have teams in two different time zones or three different time zones, excuse me. And a lot of these conferences are trying to get into different markets, I think, for a variety of reasons, just trying to, uh, I, I guess, show that they're worthy in a lot of these places and can have teams that are, are well represented in different areas of the United States. So that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Robert Morris has, has been one of the consistent programs over the years, you know, consistently finishing around 18, 20, even up to 24, 26 wins. Hasn't necessarily translated to a ton of tournament appearances yet, but that is kind of what is the nature of competing in a league where only the auto big gets sent to the NCAA tournament. But I think, and I'm, I'm curious what you guys think about this as well, but I do think that this move is beneficial to the Verizon League. I do think Robert Morris is a pretty solid program, and they have shown that I mean, they can do some really good things, finishing you know as one of the top 150, top 200 teams in the country. So I do like the move once I once I really go in and, and dive in and see what that situation looks like. You know, it's something that we've kind of discussed quite a bit in the past couple of weeks, and um, I think it does make a lot of sense for the league. Um, I wish they played a few more sports that fit the league, looking at the really big picture. But uh, definitely from a basketball sense, it makes sense. Um, very excited about that. Um, and I, I think uh, the fact that they're a private institution kind of helps someone like Detroit Mercy uh, feel like maybe they're not the outlier as far as that goes. And I, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, can can the other sports outside of basketball continue to thrive as well? And that's just something to, you got to keep an eye on sometimes. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, one of the things that I, I did, uh, obviously, the thing that struck out stuck out to me with Robert Morris is this is a team that won its, its conference tournament. Had COVID not hit, they'd be heading to the NCAA tournament, right? They would have been heading to the NCAA tournament. And obviously, Andy Tool. I, I didn't realize how young Andy Tool was, by the way. I didn't realize he was like, he was not, he hadn't even hit 40 yet. So I was like, you know, as a guy in his 40s, I, I'm, I was already feeling old with this youth movement going on in the Horizon League. This is not helping matters. You are. Um, it's fine. <laughs> Just accept it. You're old. It's fine. Uh, yeah. As long as Greg Campy's still around, I'm 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 okay. I'm, I'm, <laughs> Greg Campy's yeah. timeless, though. So I, you're still older than Greg Campy. Like that's how that works. You know what? Fine, Mike Davis then. <laughs> um, so. But but as I as you look at the you know what Andy Tool has done in the decade he's been at Robert Morris, not to mention the and again addressing. Again, they were co-poster child. Uh, you know, they were like the co-poster child of transfers of Cleveland State. But Andy Toole, unlike, uh, had had the wherewithal to make adjustments and still continue on to the point where he's again still a consistent twenty-game winner um, every season. I think with because of kind of recent additions to the Horizon League, looking at UIUPUI. This is a much, maybe not so much a geographic fit, although its proximity to Youngstown State does kind of play into it, and also kind of the kind of playing into the how the Horizon League has pretty much focused a lot on the metropolitan areas, which of which Robert Morris is a part of, of course. Um, adding those those factors in, along with 
a solid, solid program. I think that it's it's probably the best case scenario for everyone, specifically the Horizon League, who is desperately looking to get out of this idea that they've all of a sudden sank into kind of this low major territory, which apparently, had, you know, we're, we're starting to see a lot of people refer to them as, and it grates on my nerves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, and I think in this case with Robert Morris, when you do bring in a program, it's you don't want it to be a gamble and you don't want the team to bottom out every three, four years. And I think if nothing else, the consistency of having uh, both a young coach and a coach who has a decade of experience. I don't know if you can honestly find many other coaches around the country who have been in a head coaching spot for 10 years and are under 40 years old. So I think that's a really good move in itself, whether that was intentional or not. But bringing in a program that you can consistently count on to at least finish in the top half of the league, which Robert Morris has consistently done, I think I think that works. And I think what Matt mentioned with Going into the other sports, that's obviously a big hurdle for any time that a realignment move is made. But I think just when you are a non-power league trying to get any sort of competitive advantage through adding teams or, or just being creative in that sense is always going to be beneficial. And just knowing where Horizon was, say, when Butler was in this league, I think that there's always potential for the Horizon to be one of the be one of the stronger maybe a top 10 league in the nation and have a team that's consistently competing for NCAA tournament wins and if that's Robert Morrison that's great if Robert Morris ups the competition and that means it's another Horizon League team that steps up I think that everyone else is better off but I think in this sense you're adding a program that has been consistent that has a young coach with experience and it's one of those moves that I think is a low risk and potentially a high reward one of the other, obviously, we, we've talked a lot since we, you know, we talked about Robert Morris, which is obviously the most recent and last minute edition. But we also want to kind of talk about uh, what Fort, what, what Purdue Fort Wayne brings to the, brings to the equation as well, where, uh, where you have a, a coach like John Kaufman who has um, slowly but surely built um, a, another solid program, maybe not to the extent as Robert. Uh, Robert Morris, but still not as a, is still a pretty, you know, at the very least a pretty good fit for this league in general. Yeah, I, I think it's a, I think it's a good fit, at least from the geographical sense, obviously that, that makes a lot of sense with where Fort Wayne is located. And I think it's another program where you do have a consistent coach and John Kaufman who has been there for a handful of years and you know, what you're going to get, uh, with Purdue Fort Wayne, they've they've beaten some solid teams over the years, and they've played some strong competition in non-conference play. And I think it, that's another thing that you, you want to add in. Part of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, yeah, the win over Indiana, I think was was a, that was a really big moment for this program, and <laughs> just absolutely decimating Indiana in their arena. That's pretty special for any any team and just about any league, but. For it to come from Fort Wayne, I think, is especially cool. And this is another program which I think is built quite a bit like Robert Morris in the sense that you do see quite a bit of potential of a team that can consistently win, again, 80, 18, 20 games, which definitely puts you in the conversation of advancing to the tournament. So I like this move, and I always am a fan of teams that are not afraid to 
schedule uh, schedule up in non-conference play. Uh, John Kaufman has absolutely checked that box with you know getting Arkansas, Indiana. I believe they played UCLA, Utah, um, Kentucky. All of these teams um, they they have not shied away from, and that sets you that that sets a team up to be in the position to grab some of these victories that are important for things like at-large bids or uh, seeding for the NCAA tournament. So I do like that move, and, and I'm always a fan of these teams that. Uh, scheduled great teams in uh, November and December. I love seeing the Horizon League teams that schedule all this stuff, but man, I mean, you mentioned Fort Wayne beating Indiana, but in general, the Horizon League's got to start winning some of these games too. We've we've always seen these great schedules, but not a lot of wins coming from it, and it almost starts to feel like we're just paying bills, but man, would it be nice to win some of these games. Yeah, yeah and I think that's, that's it again, the struggle with the, the, the label of being a mid-major team, and I discuss with the Mountain West all the time, is that Half the battle is getting those teams to play you. Uh, I've spoken with a handful of Mountain West coaches who said that they won't even receive a return call when they're asking a power conference team to play, even if it is in their arena. Um, So getting those teams on the schedule is one. And of course, as you mentioned, winning those games is another hurdle. And I think that, again, all comes back to what we discussed with Cleveland State is if you have a program that you're consistently bringing guys back who are consistent contributors. If you have experience and leadership on your team, then I think that's honestly what translates to victories in November and December, which is going to be hugely important. And I wouldn't say that non-conference play is more important than conference play, but if you do have say a win over Indiana or UCLA or Dayton, if you have that on your resume, not only does that improve what your team sheet looks like, but I do think it's a boost of confidence for what would be a new group in that November, December time. And if you can get those guys, get those guys in shape to win one of these games against a quality opponent, I think it really sets yourself up to do some special things once the Horizon League play comes around. As far as the the league is good, actually, I'm, uh, uh, before I ask, ask that question, I'm going to just, throw in the elephant in the room the obviously with covid still going on and on and on and on in some places which is looking absolutely terrible in some parts of the country it it brings it and it brings into question it's gonna start to bring into question where college basketball is gonna fit into that and so I, I guess my question to you is how, how do you see that how do you see this affecting uh, specifically the non-conference games because I know that's going to be a big thing uh, that, that may be a big, that may be a big issue, especially when you consider that there are a lot of schools that are going to be taking uh, that are going to go live you know, and then after the Thanksgiving break, everybody's going to go home and do everything online it sounds like. It's yeah, I mean it's just a, an unprecedented situation. I think I mean, even right before we hopped in, I saw that Louisville announced that the men's basketball program has halted all of their uh, basketball activities due to I think a couple people testing positive, and that's just one example of what you see going on across. Well, we the have country. a well, we actually have uh-huh. one that's a little closer to home, Oakland. Hasn't even mm. got their test back yet. I mean, <laughs> oh wow, it's been like a, yeah. I think uh, Tony Paul has reported that it's been a week and a half, and they still haven't. Got, and so, and until huh. they do that, they're no, but they're not able to practice. So, at this uh, point, at this point, those tests might be irrelevant anyway because it's crap. been you know yeah. ten right. days. 
Right. I mean, so I mean, if if there, if nobody can get it together, if, if nobody can get it together, even on the testing front, I mean, it, it it's a little more than concerning about you know, how that's gonna how that's gonna play out during the season. Are we gonna get? I I mean, are we as we get closer? Do you think we're gonna get? Uh, do, you know, I don't. I'm I'm not entirely convinced that we're not gonna get to the point where we're just gonna say screw. It, we're just gonna do everything in the spring. I don't it's, know. Yeah, it. I mean, there are so many moving parts. I'm not parts looking and, forward to that. I don't feel like yeah. I don't feel like trying to come up with six months worth of worth of material. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm it's glad been, that I'm not in one I know of those I've been lucky in that respect, yeah. but I'm not sure I want to go. I don't think I have the strength for six more months. <laughs> yeah, and the off season is long enough wrong. as I mean, it is. Yeah, but but I mean, yeah, but if that's the case, though, it's it's just you know, there's no way, there's no, there's no way around it because you mm-hmm. know. Safety should be of the highest priority for everyone. And if you, you know, if you can't guarantee, you know, I, I've seen the argument that you can't guarantee safety, but at the same time, you have idiots out here who don't know how to, you know, who apparently think face masks are like, you know, the worst thing you could ever put on your face. You know what the worst thing you could put on your face? A clown nose. And that's basically what you <laughs> idiots are doing right now. Better off that you, you please actually put on clown noses like a show show who you who you are, Jesus Christ! And this has been a PSA from uh, Bob and Donald. <laughs> I I am I no I'm sorry if you're not wearing a mask you you deserve nothing you should sit in the corner and cry you bastards. <laughs> I'm not kidding I'm 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 fucking tired of this. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I you know going back to. I think going back to how it relates to the college basketball schedule, I will say this and that I guess myself, I have been hesitant towards saying, you know, one thing or another because it, it can be such a fluid situation. I mean, I mean, four months ago, we hardly even knew what this thing was and now yeah. it's completely derailed everything. So it changes so much with the evidence that comes up. Uh, I, I mean, as far as even non-conference play is concerned, I'd, don't see any way that any of this could happen. And the reason for that is, and again, everyone likes to say that if you don't expect sports to come back, you hate sports. And that could be, it could be further from the truth, especially as someone who runs a college basketball website and just like you guys, but yeah, I know that it's, it's, it's weird that it's, it's weird that you would have somebody who would be, who would have that take. And we, we would, uh, who would say that. And if we're having that opinion, there is no reason why we wouldn't want to have sports. I mean, for crying out loud, right. you, you just right. created, you just started your own, you just, re, you just started heat check. The, you know, you, you have no reason to not want this to come back. Mm-hmm. We, we run a, we run a, a podcast for a mid-major, a mid-major conference with, you know, which be, let's be honest, you know, who's doing that? <laughs> <laughs> you right. know, there, right. That's, yeah, you know, that's there's the absolutely thing. no reason why we wouldn't want this. I mean, we we would we should welcome this to come back. But we're realistic, though. Mm-hmm. But we're realistic in the fact that you look. I'm looking around and I'm seeing. Yeah, you, know, you you see what's going on and you just wonder, dear God, how is? I mean, what, are we gonna put everybody in a bubble? I mean, you know, are we? You know, the you know, and then and then, you know. I haven't said much about it, and I'm not I'm probably not. I mean, I'm not going to say about anything about it on my Twitter account anymore because I'm not doing that anymore. Because you know, 
whatever. <laughs> anyway, but it's it's the that's the whole thing, and, and I think that that brings as much as we don't want it to be a question mark, it is a question mark. Yeah, and the thing, especially and with it's an analytical guy yeah. as I know you are, that's gotta <laughs> drive you insane. Yeah, it, that's that's the thing too about all of this going on is college basketball, in my opinion, is one of the probably most challenging sports leagues that you could find towards playing amidst what's going on right now. You have over 350 teams. You have, what, 15,000 people that you need to be healthy uh, at all times. And, I mean, that's a lot of boxes that you need to check. And I do see things like the pool testing, which is something that has been brought up of, of testing five people at once to ensure well, first off, that you can save money, of course, but to ensure that everyone's healthy and ready to go. But the thing that stands out to me is with non-conference play in November and December, you have teams, especially ones that aren't in power conference leagues that aren't playing at home. You have these teams that are playing anywhere from the West Coast to the East Coast, Midwest, um, maybe even in Cancun or Mexico or, or Hawaii. It doesn't even really matter you have these teams that are doing so much travel. And that's when I look at that and think like, I do not understand how any of this could really work as planned. Um, there was Kentucky and Michigan were slated to play in a new event in London in November, in late November, I believe that's already been completely wiped off the shelf uh, and pushed back for another year. And I've said it for weeks now. I think these are going to be the first games to go because uh, I know a lot of these leagues are at least unwilling to put their teams on airplanes and having to travel thousands of miles to play one game or a handful of games. It just doesn't make sense right now. Um, I have seen a lot of proposals from different people. I know Rick Bettino has mentioned that he hopes that the schedule, he hopes that the season is pushed back and going only to conference games. But I mean, like what we said on here, even if you were to play conference games, I don't know if that works as well as people would initially think because, I mean, even in her, the Horizon League, you would have, say, Green Bay traveling up to Pennsylvania to play Robert Morris and maybe back down in Milwaukee. So there's a lot of travel. And unless you're playing teams that are in your same state or in neighboring states, you're going to be put in a situation where you have to ask yourself, are you willing to take that risk? And I don't think a lot of programs are willing to take that risk and and my final point on that is yeah i neither neither do i um the the one argument that i do see is that these are young people who are healthy who are in the greatest shapes of their lives and that I, i i don't disagree with that but the fact of the matter is that you can have your star athlete who is asymptomatic with covid that can easily get passed to a coach who is in his 60s or 70s, and then you're absolutely walking on the brink of disaster. And if something like that were to happen, there's no way that anyone in their right mind could proceed with playing a season. So, And there's no way to have a bubble when you have teams parked as, you know, as far northwest here in Seattle, when you have a team in Maine and Florida. It's just college basketball, Division One college basketball is not – conducive to playing in uh, playing during a pandemic and the MLB could potentially make it work NBA could potentially make it work some of those leagues where you actually have paid employees and you can have one arena or a series of arenas to play your games but 
with college basketball, with the travel, with thousands of players, with staffers, um, it just isn't really a spot where you can make this happen. And I wish the case was different. I wish we could have college basketball tomorrow. But um, the thought of potentially losing a coach or even a player, if that were the circumstance over this, it's just not a risk that you can you can take. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah, yeah. I I agree. I mean, that's and you know there it, it's um and I look at it from again you look at it from a standpoint of yeah I mean we can get into the whole why is this happening here and nowhere else and that that's a whole other podcast that's, that has absolutely nothing to do with basketball or sports or anything that I really don't want to do uh, <laughs> but you know if. If we do get a point, um, we'll just kind of wrap this up. If we do do actually a best case scenario, get to a point where we do get something in, you know, we do get this basketball season in. Where where do you see? Who do you see finishing at the top of the Horizon League this year? Yeah, I know we went all in the, down this dark path, and now I'm asking about who's going to win the Horizon <laughs> League. So, well, welcome to my well, world. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's always the, the best case scenario for everyone is amidst this, you still want to talk about the sports and talk about who's going to be the best teams. Um, I will say as positive as I am on Cleveland say, I think that is still a bit of a jump for them to go from where they were this past season to the top of the league. Um, I, I do think that's a, a bit of a reach at this point. I wouldn't be completely stunned if it were to happen. I still think that Wright State is probably the team at the top. I think that they do bring enough back with Valden Love. I think that he's going to be the star of this team as he has been. Um, my big question, of course, for them is, are they going to show up in the conference tournament, which has been, you know, has, has been the struggle for them these past two years. Uh, I do think that they are a favorite. And then, I mean, as you mentioned before we hopped on, then you just have just a laundry list of teams that could finish anywhere from third to eighth or what have you. And so the way that that shakes out, I think will be particularly interesting, but I do think Wright state is the team up top. I think Cleveland state could be pretty fascinating at Youngstown state. And even if you want to toss Robert Morris in there, uh, being the new, new team on the block, I think they have a lot of potential as well. Um, and then the final team that I'll mention is, is one that I still need to get around to write an article on them, uh, which I do have planned out. But Detroit, which I think is a pretty fascinating team, and um, that will always come back to Antoine Davis, who yeah. I just I, I hope everyone who enjoys college basketball to any extent can watch this guy play at least one game because he is just a joy to watch, and what he does for this team is just spectacular. But then we, when you factor in some of the other pieces that they have back, this isn't yes, it looks yeah, like this isn't bad roster. This year. Yeah, and we're bringing Torian Thompson, transfer from Seton Hall and Syracuse, I think that's really big. Uh, Chris Brandon's a, another productive guy. So Detroit, I mean, if nothing else, they're going to be interesting, and that just kind of comes with having a player of Antoine Davis's caliber. But if he doesn't always have to be the guy that has to produce or score when there's a few seconds left on the shot clock. If he can get some help, maybe get a double digit score or two to, to help out in that regard. I think Detroit could be a team that could also surprise people. And when it comes down to it, all you need to do is win a handful of games at the Horizon League tournament, and then you're set to go. And if you do have the best player on the floor, which Detroit always will, um, I think you do have a solid shot. 
Well, Eli, thank you once again for uh, you know being uh, joining us here. Um, tell everybody where we can find you. We obviously yes, know I... we can find you on your website, but go ahead, <laughs> go on. That's right. Uh, so you can find my stuff and uh, my team stuff at heatcheckcbb.com. Uh, it's the same handle over on Twitter at heatcheckcbb, and my personal handle on there is betker underscore Eli, which is B O E T T G E R underscore E L I. All right, wonderful. And of course, you can find uh, us always. Um, episodes find us at again, once again, horizonroundtable.com. And you can find us wherever podcasts are available. So be sure to subscribe. And, I mean, if you haven't subscribed already, I mean, come on. Just do it. <laughs> Just, Just do, do it. it. And of course, you can pull us up on your uh, your Amazon or Google devices. Um, and that's going to do it for us. And uh, thank you all for listening. <laughs>